This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Chuck Ford and Relate Church in Byron, Mississippi. For more information, please visit RelateChurch.com. They did such a great job. It was wonderful. Amen. Man, just the presence of God is, is good. We're thankful for it. Uh, before we get into the message today, I've just got a, I got a couple of things I want to communicate to you, just a couple of announcements. The first one is this, is that Relate University is now open for registration. Now, let me just say, tell you what, this, is, this will be our, this will actually be our, our third year, so it's a two-year program, so our third year, but for anyone who says, I just want to deepen my faith in God's Word, or I want to grow in my leadership capacity and potential, or I just want to be used in the kingdom of God, or I want to know God better, Relate University is for you. Man, we've got, we've got some great classes lined up for the next uh, for the next couple of years, and so you would not be making a mistake if you say, you know, I, I, I've always wanted to go to Bible school, but I can't travel away to go to Bible school, and I just kind of want to stay right here with my folks and stay right here with my people. I tell you what, Relate University is for you. So if you, if you, if you desire to, to even check it out, we, we invite you to go to, to RelateChurch.com. A lot of information on there. If you see Pastor Paul running around in the lobby somewhere, you can ask him about it. He's He'll, he'll tell you all about Relate University, okay? Second announcement is this. Today we are officially launching our brand new Relate Church app. Now, some of you have already downloaded that app to your iPhone device or your Android device, and so that, that's live. And let me tell you a little something about uh, this brand new app. Uh, number one, it's going to just keep you in the know of everything that's going on at Relate Church. I mean, and well, along with that, you have notifications that you can manage right from that app. So if you want to know what's going on in the children's area, what's going on in the youth ministry, or what's going on in the kids' ministry, it'll be right there on your phone. You don't have to, you don't have to call the church. You don't have to seek, seek out information. It'll be right there on your phone, okay? So it's got all of our events, our calendar. It's got push notifications. It's got all the podcasts of all the services right there on the app. Uh, it's got, um, you can just keep in touch that way. The second part of this app is that we are, we're rolling out a brand new generosity platform. Now, generosity is one of our core values as a church. I believe that generosity is a core value for every follower of Christ because he is so generous, because God is so generous, his children are to be so generous. Amen? And so I don't know about you, sometimes, you know, if you're going out of town, oh man, I forgot to, I got, forgot to write out my check for my offering, or, you know, maybe you leave the checkbook at home. Well, with this brand new app, and actually we've got a number of ways to give. We're not saying don't give with an envelope, because you can give with an envelope. That's awesome. I mean, write it out and drop it in the kiosk. Or you can go to, you can go to our website, RelateChurch.com, and it's all right there. So it's all, everything's being brought into one central hub where you can manage uh, and take a look at your own giving. You don't have to wait on us to get you a giving statement. Some of you, you, you're filing your taxes quarterly. You don't have to call the office. Hey, I need a quarterly update. You can just download that right from, right from your app, amen, and, and, and have it right there. So we're rolling that out today. And so let me just tell you a little, a little something about this because um, up until this point, you know, with our apps, you could use a credit card. And, and I just want to tell you, it, it, let me, I'm going to see if I can get this in order. Okay, so you can use a credit card, but how many of you know that credit cards charge you to give to Relate Church? Your debit card charges you, your, uh, your, your credit card charges you. So this year, we're on track, or let me say it like this, you're on track 
to give $6,000 of your offerings to the bank. That's how, how uh, we're tracking to give like $6,000 6, $6, in bank fees of the money you've given to Relate Church is going to the bank. So we have a solution to that. It's called ACH. ACH is just you're, you get the bank, you go right through your bank, and they send, they send your offering to the church. It doesn't cost you a dime. They don't take out any fees. They don't take out any penalties. And how many of you would rather see $6,000 go into the kingdom than go into the bank? Yeah. Right? They got enough money, all right? So $6,000 coming into the kingdom instead of going to the bank. Now, if you say, well, I want, the, I want the travel points. Well, if you want the travel points, go ahead and give the credit card. That's fine. But if you want, <clears throat> if you want 100% of your offering to come to your church, well, then give ACH or write a check. Amen. So we're rolling out a couple of things today, our app and also a brand new generosity platform. You can set up recurring giving, and that's the way I like it to do. Man, I don't, you know, every, every Sunday when, when I know that my offering is going to the church, man, I release my faith. Thank you, Lord, that you're supplying all my needs. Thank you for the, uh, giving me the opportunity to sow and to give into your kingdom. And, but I don't even have to think about it. I don't have to think about the checkbook anymore. I don't have to think, it just, it's just a recurring gift. Amen? Amen? So we encourage you to do that. Sound good? All right, we're about to get into part two of our series we're calling Summer Road Trip. And I want to pray for you before we get into this. I believe that God's got a very powerful message for us today. And over the next few weeks, it's just going to be rich. It's going to be helpful. It's going to be, it's going to be very spiritual, but yet very practical, where you can just put it into practice in your life. Amen. So let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, we give you thanks and praise. We, we worship you and thank you for our time of worship today and, and your presence that's in this place. Father, we ask that you would open our eyes today and help us to see everything that we need to see. Help us to understand everything that we need to understand and give us exactly what we need for this moment. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you have ever been on a, on a road trip or on vacation and your car break down? Anybody? <clears throat> well, used to, we would, as, as a youth group, I was, I, was kind of, I was an assistant youth minister, and we would, we would always take these trips. It could be a winter trip to Colorado to go skiing or, or summer camp. And, and so this friend of mine who is the worship pastor, he has this knack for getting great deals. Y'all don't record this part of the service because he'll listen to it. So, <clears throat> he, he has this knack for just getting great deals on transportation. I mean, I mean, it's like a, a fourth of the cost of what it would take you know, cost everyone else to rent buses to go to go to Colorado or to go to Florida or go to camp. And so he always had this the way of just getting these great deals. And he would shop it, man. He would work with it, and he'd get great deals problem is more times than not the bus would break down we were on our way to Colorado one time and we we broke down in Amarillo Texas and uh, <clears throat> at two o'clock in the morning at Amarillo Texas and so we had to wait forever to get another bus and I mean it was just, it was just awful we lost like two days of our of our ski trip and just awful so anybody ever done that and, and you're, you're on your way to vacation something goes wrong and and, man, you, you don't get there, you miss a flight, you don't get there when you want to. How many of you know that's inconvenient? I mean, it just, and it can be frustrating because it can cost you, for sure it costs you time. It could cost you part of your vacation. It could cost you hundreds of dollars, and I guarantee you it costs you your peace. <laughs> right? 
And boy, you can get you can get irritable and irritated, and you can, you know, just I mean, all things can happen that are that are not good. And so, in our spiritual walk, in our spiritual life, there's times that we can have a breakdown in our relationship with God. How many of you know that? Or or things just they're just kind of a bumpy road in our relationship with God. Maybe it's a certain habit that's in your life, or a certain sin that's in your life, or, or some kind of weight that's in your life. And as you're trying to pursue God, man, you just keep bumping up against this thing, and it's costing you your joy, it's costing you your faith, it's costing you your confidence in God. I mean, it could be an, an unanswered prayer or a prayer that hadn't been answered yet. Or it could be a promise that has gone unfulfilled. It could be any a number of things, but it's, it's, it, it's gone past an inconvenience to you. Say, you know what? I just can't go on with God until I get past this hurdle in my life. Anybody ever been there? I think we've all been there. I think even the Apostle Paul, who, you know, he was the most prolific writer of the New Testament. I mean, you think about all the letters he wrote to the churches. And one of the most prolific writers, he went through this same thing in his relationship with God. It seemed like that he, there was a season in his life where he kept bumping up against with something. Now, and I want to read that to you in Romans, the seventh chapter. I don't want you to turn there because it's going, <clears throat> this is just setting us up for our, our, our camping trip in Ephesians. Okay, so in Romans chapter seven, Paul says this in verse 14, he says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. Carnal means flesh-ruled. Paul said, I, I, the, the, the law is spiritual, but I am, I'm just, I'm kind of a fleshy person. I'm just being ruled by my flesh. Can, any, can anybody already identify with Paul? Anybody ever had problems with their flesh? I had problems with my flesh last night. One of my favorite kind of desserts to eat is lemon pound cake, all right? So I'm, I'm going to tell off of myself. And, and don't show up with a lot of lemon pound cake, please. I, I really don't need it. So we had, lemon, we had some people over to our house last night. And we had lemon pound cake. And so Tammy got me a slice of lemon pound cake and put berries all over it. And I ate it. And there was nobody was looking. <coughs> I got another slice of lemon pound cake. And I'm not going to say what I did after everybody went to bed. <coughs> Hey, but that, that stuff's good, you know. And my, fle my flesh, my flesh really, really likes it. Well, your flesh can like a lot of things, right? Your flesh, your flesh can like a lot of things that are not good for you. They're not profitable for you. Now, one slice of lemon pound cake is probably okay. Three slices is probably not okay. Not in one night anyway, you know, at least spread it out through the whole day. But anyway, Paul said, uh, he said, the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. I, I am, I'm a flesh-ruled person. I'm sold under sin. How many of you, that, before you were saved, that is a fact. Before you're saved, you are sold under sin. You are a slave to sin. You are, you are enslaved to sin, and there's nothing you can do about it. You say, well, you can try harder. You can do your best. You can try to do a good, be a good person, but it's not going to help you because you, know you have no power over the law or over sin. 
Was that in the wrong place? Okay. <laughs> now notice what Paul said in verse 15. He said, for what I am doing, now see if you can identify with this. For what I am doing, I do not understand. <laughs> for what I, and this is kind of a tongue twister. For what I will to do, for what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. How many of you, that sounds confusing. You know why? Because the flesh will confuse you. And sin will confuse you. He said, so I don't, he said that, uh, for the good that I will to do, I do not do. The evil that I, I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Verse 21, I find then a law that is ev- that, that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity the law of sin, which is in my members. So Paul's in this, he's in this struggle that I believe that we've, we've, we're all either facing or we all have faced in our life that on the inside, the inward man, in our mind, we want to do good. We want to please God. We want to do the right thing. We want to have a strong relationship with Christ. We want to be moving forward in faith with Christ. But then we find something else that just seems to come up in our life. I mean, like just out of the ground, and it grabs us, and it holds us back, and it hinders us in our walk with God. How many of you can identify with that? And Paul is, he, he is relating this, and I'm so thankful that the Word of God just doesn't put the rosy pictures in there, but it shows, the, it shows the pain, it shows the struggle, it shows us real life. And then notice what Paul said. In uh, verse 24, he said, O wretched man that I am. O wretched man that I am. Now, <clears throat> if you examine this closely, you find out that Paul's talking about, although Paul was very zealous for God, and, you know, formerly he was, he was known as Saul of Tarsus. He was very zealous for God. I mean, he, he knew the law like no one else. And he was very zealous for God. But you can be very zealous for God and not have victory in your life. You realize this? You can have a lot of zeal for God and not have victory in your life. You can have, a, you can have this strong desire for God, but yet not have victory in your life. Paul did. He was, he, was a, he was zealous for God. I mean, to the point that he was persecuting Christ and other followers of Christ because he thought that they were wrong, but yet he loved God. And so it's not enough just to be zealous for God. We need to know how to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Now, how many of you know, believe that God wants you to grow in your faith? He wants you to be freer tomorrow than you are today. Well, freedom and growth just doesn't happen. It's very intentional. If you're going, if you're going to grow in your relationship with God, if you're, going, if you're going to experience greater degrees of freedom in Christ, what's well, intentional? It's not automatic. 
right? And so there's, there's some definite keys to growth and freedom. One, you've got you to sit under practical teaching. You've got to hear the Word of God. You've got to hear the Word of God. You've got to hear the anointed Word of God. Amen. So there's got to be practical teaching. There's got to be, uh, you know, just, the, just personal disciplines in your life, private disciplines in your life, reading the Word of God, praying. If you want to grow and be free, there's got to be these personal disciplines. A discipline. There's got to be personal ministry. You've got to be given out. There's no such thing as a person who grows, but yet they're not watering. You've got to water someone else. Amen. Amen. If you want to grow and experience more and more freedom, you've got to have the right relationships in your life. That's why we have small groups, right? Because you've got to have the right relationships in your life. When the right people get together for the right reason, the right thing begins to happen. So you got to have these right relationships, and then you begin to grow. Now, notice what Paul said. He said, oh, wretched man that I am. I mean, I don't know about you. I felt like that before. Man, I am a, I am a loser. What in the world was I thinking? What am I doing? Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Notice what he calls being enslaved to sin. He calls it, he calls it the body of death. How many of you, that, that sound good to you? The body, you, you want to live there. The body of death. Oh, wretched man who I am, who, who will deliver me? And then, and then he, gives, he gives the answer, the only answer that is sufficient. Notice what he says. I thank God. Now, now I want you to notice real closely this phrasing. I thank God through Jesus. Everybody say through Jesus. Through Jesus. Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Through Jesus. Through Jesus. This is the only way that you and I can live in freedom in our life. This is the only way that we can overcome in our life. This is the only way that we're going to take ground in our life is through Jesus. Now, <clears throat> In Ephesians, if you'll turn to, with me to Ephesians, and this is where we're camping out, but I, I wanted to lay this groundwork. Paul uses this, he, he, had, he coined this saying, and he said it in a, in a few different ways, but it was, he used words, phrases like this, in him, everybody say in him. In him, by him, with him, through him. And Paul uses this over 160 times in his letters to the churches. And these are very powerful expressions because they let us know who we are in Christ, what we have in Christ, what we can do in Christ. And you look a whole lot better in Christ than you look out of Christ. And so it's very important how we identify. It's very important. You see, we can either identify with sin, we can identify with failure, we can identify with our shortcomings, or you and I can identify with Christ. And when we begin to identify with Christ, we begin to move forward in our life in a very powerful, powerful way. Amen. So I want to talk to you just for a minute. And last week we talked about the fact, we talked a little bit about being in him and our position in him. How many of you know that, that you're seated Far above. Well, let me, let me just read it to you. In Ephesians 2, in verse 5, says this, Even when we were dead in trespasses, 
He made us alive together, y'all say it with me, with Christ, with Christ. He made us alive together with Christ and raised us up together and understood is with Christ. And he made us sit together in the heavenly places, help me, in Christ. So he raised us up, he made us alive with him, he raised us up with him, he made us sit together with him in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. And so that is our position. That is how God sees us. He doesn't see you out of Christ. He sees you in Christ. And again, you look a whole lot better in him than you look out of him. Out of him, you look like you're broke down. You look like you're, you're wretched. You're, I mean, you can't do anything. You're a complete failure. You're, I mean, you're, you're living in this body of sin, and, and you're a complete failure. But in him... It's another story. In him, you look a whole lot better. And how many of you know that the view from the top looks a lot better from the view from the bottom? And so he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. So Ephesians is broken down into three big headings. It's Number one, it's the, uh, Paul talks in the first three chapters, he talks about the wealth of the believer. We have, so, we have tremendous wealth in Christ. And I'm not talking about financial or material wealth i'm talking we've got this rich spiritual blessing in christ as a matter of fact he says in ephesians 1 3 blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places man i like the past tenses of god's word he has blessed us not he's going to bless us not when we get everything right he's going to bless us he has blessed us and because we're in him there's all kind of blessings available to us in christ all kind of wealth so in the first three chapters he talks about our wealth in christ chapters four five and six through verse nine he talks about our walk now you can't walk the walk unless you understand the wealth if you don't understand your wealth in christ you'll never walk worthy of the calling to which he has called you and then once you, and even if you do everything right, even if you understand your wealth, even if you're walking the walk, guess what? You're going to still have a war on your hands. Even if you do it all right, you're still going to have a war on your hands. But the good news is that he's called us to a good warfare. He's called us to a victorious life, and we can win every time. Amen. So we're covering these three aspects in Ephesians, the wealth, the walk, and the war. Or I like to say it like this, the view from the top, life in the trenches, in our great warfare, amen, that we will win, that we will win. So won't you notice this, in, a, in Colossians, the third chapter, so we, we understand that we've been raised up together with him. In Colossians, the third chapter, Paul says this, if then you were raised up. Now, how many of you, let me see your hands, you say, I have been raised up. If then you have been raised with Christ, now this is important, don't, don't miss this. If you've been raised together with Christ, seek those things which are above. Seek those things which are, which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind. You see, you seek, you set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. And we'll, so we'll, I'm going to talk to you about how to just have victory in your life. 
And it's not a pill you take. It's, it, it's not a magic wand. It's not a, it's not, oh, it's, it's not come down to the front and somebody touch me or lay hands on me and then it's all fixed. It's not that. But it is something and it is something that will work. It will work. So he says that we are to set our minds on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's your dwelling place, in God, in Christ. That's where you live, in Him, not apart from Him, not outside of Him, in Him. So what does that look like? What does it look like? You, your life is hidden with Christ in God. So he said, set your mind. Seek those things which are above. You know, there's, there's low-minded Christians, and then there's high-minded Christians. Which one do you think we ought to be? Well, it depends on what you're talking about. It depends on what you're talking about. So when it comes to us and other people, in our humility before God, we are to be low-minded. The, the Word says that we're not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. But I don't think very many people have, are really having a problem thinking too highly of themselves. Most people think too lowly of themselves. They think that they're unqualified. They think that they're worthless. They think that they've made too many mistakes, that they've done too much wrong, and they, they, they feel like they're irredeemable, and, you know, and there's, there's, no, there's no course for them, and there's no plan for them, and God's given up on them. So most people, they're not thinking too highly of themselves. They're thinking very lowly of themselves. And so it's good if we're, you know, in dealing with other people, we don't want to think of ourselves more highly of ourselves than we ought to, but we're to think soberly, right? We're to have the mind, same mind that Christ Jesus had, that though he was equal with God, what did he do? He humbled himself, and he became a servant. So in one respect, we are to be low-minded, but when it comes to our relationship with God and our position with God, we're to be high-minded. We're not, to, we're not to think on a low level. We're to think on a high level. You know, it's interesting to me that all the, most of you say, what does it mean to be Christ-like? And you would say, well, it means to be like Christ. I mean, you just flip the, the word. It mean, to, to be Christ-like means to be like Christ. And most people, they, they water that down to the point where being like Christ just means that you're nice. Christianity is not about you being nice. It's not about being, now nothing wrong with being nice, you ought to be nice, but it's not about just being nice, it's not just about being good, it's about being powerful. It's about being like Jesus. Well, what was Jesus like? Demons were afraid of him. Sickness cowered to him. The dead were raised in his presence. The blind saw, the deaf heard, the lame walked. And we just think it's about patting people on the backs. Oh, you're looking so good today. It's more than about just looking good today. It's more, it's, it's, it's more to it than just being kind. It's about being powerful. But if you don't know your position in Christ, you'll never be powerful. If you don't understand your 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 position, if you don't understand where you have been seated and how God sees you, 
He doesn't see you as weak. He doesn't see you as a failure. He sees you as perfect and complete, and you stand before him without one single fault. That's the way he sees you. But you look in the mirror. You know your past. And the devil knows your past. And he's quick to bring up your past and tell you how worthless and how sorry and how much of a fail you are. But God doesn't see you like that. God, God sees you. You've got great value in his eyes. He's got a great plan for you. Amen. I mean, just, you know, we had a guest minister a few weeks ago and he was talking about Gideon, how God called Gideon a mighty man of valor while Gideon was hiding in the equipment, afraid. But yet God said, you're a mighty man of valor. God calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God's, God talks about you like he sees you. And you need to talk about you like God sees you, not like you see you. Now, I'm about to share a very, very important truth with you. And this will, this will, and I don't mean you're going to walk out of your stuff overnight. And I'm not, I don't mean that things are, man, it's, it's not abracadabra, hocus pocus, bam, do this one time and you're free forever. I'm not saying this. But if you'll make this a consistent part of your daily life, things will begin to turn around in your life. They'll begin to turn around. They'll begin to change. You'll begin to walk with more confidence. You'll begin to walk with more authority. You'll, you'll, you'll find that the chains are, are being loosed around you, and you're, you're just walking free, and you're experiencing greater and greater degrees of freedom. So, so what is this great truth? Well, he says, he says that we are to seek those things which are above where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Who else sits at the right hand of God? Okay, let me preach last week. Okay, who else is seated at the right hand of God? We are in Christ. So we need to seek, we need to find out who we are in Christ. And that's the way that we need to talk about ourselves. And so I'm, I'm going to share one scripture with you. Now, I listed a bunch of them that I believe that this would be just a, a good place for you to study and look at this week. And, and so this is what I want us to do. I want us to look up these scriptures. You say, why didn't you print them out? Because I wanted you to write them out. I, I want you to find a Bible, find a piece of paper, and I want you to write these scriptures out. Don't type them out. Are you listening? Don't type them. Write them. Write them with your hand. So what's wrong with typing? Because it's something, writing will cause things to register on you better than typing will. Write them out. So there's, there's a bunch of scriptures here. I want to pull one out. And, and if you don't get fired up about this, I don't even know if you're saved. Okay? <laughs> in Romans, the eighth chapter, in Romans, the eighth chapter, and uh, I'm going to just start in... Well, first of all, I'm going to get to Romans. Okay. I'm going to start at verse 31. <clears throat> and uh, listen to this. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, 
Who can be against us? Anybody ever feel like the whole world's against you? Can I ask you another question? What difference does it make? You, you can feel like the whole world is against you, but if you know that God's for you, what difference does it make? Well, I just feel like everybody's against me. Well, honey, you just need to realize that God's for you. And when you realize it doesn't matter who all is against you, if he's for you. So if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? He goes on, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? On and on. And then, this, this is the part I like because Paul just answers this. He quotes an Old Testament scripture, and I think we all feel like this sometimes. He says, Lord, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep that's going to the slaughter. My life is a dead end. I'm being killed all day long. How can you get killed all day long? I mean, you. But evidently, these, these folks were feeling like, man, I'm just getting killed over and over again. I'm just, I'm, I'm just getting destroyed over and over again. My life is perishing just over and over again. And how many of you feel like that some way, that uh, some days that, man, I'm just getting, I, it just seems like I'm getting knocked down. You know, I feel like I, I take a, one step forward and there's two steps back. I'm just getting pummeled. Anybody ever feel like that before? Well, that can be real life, but does it have to be like that? Or is there overwhelming victory in Christ? Can we live like Jesus? Now, Jesus had trouble, but he overcame them all. And many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver them out of them all. So notice what he says in verse 37. Well, verse 36, for your sake we're killed all day long. I don't understand it, Lord. I'm serving you. I'm, a, I'm part of the dream team. I show up to church early. I'm serving other people, and then this happens to me. We're killed all day long, accounted as sheep for the slaughter. In verse 37, here's Paul's response to this. I mean, this is... This is, uh, this is one chapter after he said, uh, I want to do good, but I can't. And I don't want to do bad, but I do. And this is just one chapter later. And notice what he says. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. And here's the phrase. Through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. I mean, is that how you consider yourself? I mean, when, 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 when the battle comes to your door, or, I mean, is your first response, you know what? I'm more than a conqueror. Now, it's one thing to be a conqueror. How many of you, if you conquer, you win? But if you're more, I mean, how can you be more? than a conqueror. How, how can you be more? I mean, conquering is winning. Isn't that enough? Isn't it enough to just win? Well, according to the Word of God, we're not just supposed to win. I mean, we are to 
absolutely bury our enemy. I'm not talking about your husband or your wife now. <clears throat> They're not your enemy. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. We are to bury. I mean, we are more than conquerors. Actually, that word more, it, just, it's, it, it carries this phrase, super. We are super conquerors. Man, you know, Jesus is a, more than a conqueror. Man, he went to the cross, stretched out his arms, and, and, and we see the physical side of it where, you know, they hammered the nails into his hand and they, they put the crown of thorns on his head and, and they beat him and they spit on him and they took the cat of nine tails and they ripped the flesh off of his body. But all the while that was happening, God was putting on him the sin of every single one of us. Because we had to have a substitute. There had to be a price to be paid for that sin. And Jesus took it for us and he died. And the claims of justice had to be satisfied. So, uh, you know, it says that, that Jesus spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly. And my imagination just runs wild as, as Jesus was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And he was paying the price for my sin and your sin. And when the claims of justice had been satisfied, I tell you what, Jesus hurled back the forces of darkness and he rose up victorious over death, hell, and the grave. He was more than a conqueror. I mean, the devil thought he had him beat. He thought that the devil thought the plan of God had been stopped. But Jesus hurled it all back. He said, oh, no. Oh, no. And I tell you what, he, he spoiled him. And he made a show of them openly. In those days, you know, if a king conquered another king, they would put him in a cage and, and they would parade him through town and he would just be stripped of all of his dignity and stripped of all everything that... that showed him as a king and just stripped him and just parading through the, t the, the town and people would mock that defeated king. And that's exactly what Jesus did. And then guess what? He, he, he puts the tag on you more than a conqueror. So what do you do with that? The Word of God says that we're to hold fast the confession of our faith. And that, that, that phrase means that we are to say the same thing. Most folks, most Christians walk around, they talk about how sick they are, how weak they are. Oh, I'm just so weak. And they, and they keep saying, well, I'm, I'm weak, I'm, I'm weak, I'm weak. What well, does the Bible say, let the weak say I'm weak? No, the, the Bible says let the weak say. Well, why are you going to say you're strong if you're weak? Because that's faith. Why are you going to say... Why are you going to confess boldly, I'm more than a conqueror, even when you're staring right in the face of, of something that's very real and something that's coming against you? Why are you going to rise up and, and, I mean, just on the inside, and, I mean, just get feisty with the devil and say, I'm more than a conqueror through him? That's faith. Look, you're, you're agreeing with God. You're agreeing with God when you do that. And the word of God is alive. And so there's something in these words that's anointed and it'll, it'll begin to inspire you and something will strengthen on the inside of you and come up on the inside of you. And I tell you what, it won't be, it won't be long and things will begin to turn around and change. And, change and you'll begin to walk free. But you've got to understand your wealth 
in Christ. And part of that wealth is you're more than a conqueror. You're a super conqueror. Super conqueror. That, that means you don't just win. You bury your opponent. You don't just win over this sin. You bury it. You bury it. Amen. You bury it. Can you? Absolutely. Hey, there's a bunch of scriptures here. There's some good ones. One says that he, he always gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? So you ought to say that. If that's what it says, then that's what you ought to say. He doesn't say that you're going to fall and fail and all that. No, he says you're going to win. You're going to win. You're going to win. You're going to overcome. Amen. So, somebody told me an analogy the other day that, you know, when, I think it was Carrie, I think Carrie told me that, uh, you know, when, when David went to battle with Goliath, he popped him in the head with a stone, knocked him, knocked him out. Most people, oh, that's good. But he wasn't satisfied with winning. <laughs> he, wanted to, he wanted to conquer. So he took Goliath's sword and took his head off. He just didn't knock him out with a rock. He took his head off. That's what God wants you to do. You don't have to be kind to the devil. I mean, go ahead and go ahead. Just, I mean, well, I don't, I don't, I don't want to put, I don't want to hurt him too bad. I mean, I mean, bury him. Just go ahead. Now, in one sense, Jesus has already done it, but He left you here to enforce it. I mean, take the sword of the Spirit and just take the head off the thing. Amen. I mean, you got him seeing stars. <laughs> He's laying out. Go ahead and take care of business. How do you do that? I mean, you just, you say this. You say what the Word says about you. You say what the Word says about you. Stop being, stop being low-minded. I'm just so sick and tired. and I just worry so much. And you've been doing it for 50 years and had not even helped you yet. All we can do is just worry and pray. Well, it's not going to help you. Worry and prayer doesn't go together. Faith and prayer go together. Not worry. It'll kill you. Dead. <laughs> right? It, it just kill. So don't worry. I mean, say about yourself. i got to hurry. you got, got to say about yourself what the Word says about you. Amen. How many of you are thankful for Jesus that, that he did the work that was necessary? He did all the heavy lifting. Look, I want to pray for some of you before I go. And, and uh, I know that my, I, mean, I just sense in my heart that you took hold of the Word of God. Yes. You're going to be a doer and not just a hearer. That's, right. That's the key. Yes. But there's some of you came in here in, this morning, and you don't know that you're in a right place with God. You don't know if you're in a right relationship with God. And I want to pray for you before you leave. You know, we, we live down here in the south where 
you know, most people believe in God. Yeah, do you believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God. And they think they're okay because they believe in God. But how many of the, the demons believe in God too? And they're not saved, obviously. So I just want to make sure everybody in here is in a right relationship with Jesus. We talked we talk to you about how, you know, Jesus stretched out on that cross and he became sin with our sin. That we may be made right with God through him. So maybe you're in here today and you've, you've, you've never been born again. Jesus said you must be born again if you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven. You say, well, I don't even know what that means. Well, if you don't know what that means, you probably haven't been born again. Or you might be in here and you say, you know what, I've, I don't know that if I were to die today, I would go to heaven, but I sure want to go to heaven. So I want to pray for you. Or maybe you're in here and you say, I don't know that I've ever given my whole heart and my whole life to Jesus, but I, w- I want to give my whole heart and my whole life to Jesus. So you might be in that boat. Look, just good works won't get you to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So you got to come through him. You can't come through your works. I mean, your good works aren't going to get you there. So every head bowed and every eye closed. And look, I'm not going to ask you to come to the front or even stand, but just right there in your seat, if you say, Pastor Chuck, I, I, you know, I, don't, I don't know that I've ever given my whole heart and my whole life to Jesus, but I, I just seem, seems like that. God is dealing with me. Or, I don't know that I've ever been born again, but I, I want to be born again. Or you say, Pastor Chuck, I, I don't know that if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I want to, I want to go to heaven. I don't want to miss heaven. I want to pray for you. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. So, who should lift their hand? Anyone who says, I've never given my whole heart and my whole life to Jesus. Anyone who says, I don't know that I've ever been born again. Anyone who says that I don't know if I die today, I'd go to heaven. That's who should lift their hand. So I'm going to just count to three, and when I do, just lift your hand up so I can see it, and we'll pray. Here we go. One, two, three, right now. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. Anyone else? Ushers, help me out. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. Awesome. Good. Anyone else? All right. All right, let's pray this prayer together. Everybody just pray it out loud. Pray it sincerely from your heart. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you raised him from the dead. Jesus, I confess you as the Lord of my life. Change me right now. Make me brand new. Amen. Church family, let's give these a real big hand, all right?